Chapter Ten of Flower of the Dusk by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In the Garden. The subtle, far reaching fragrance of a summer night came through the open window. A cool wind from the hills had set the maple branches to murmuring and hushed the incoming tide as it swept up to the waiting shore. Out in the illimitable darkness of the east, gray surges throbbed like the beating of a troubled heart but the shore knew only the drowsy croon of a sea that has gone to sleep. Golden lilies swung their censers softly, and the exquisite incense perfumed the dusk. Fairy lamp-bearers starred the night with glimmering radiance, faintly seen afar. A cricket chirped just outside the window, and a ghostly white moth circled around the evening lamp. Roger sat by the table, with Keats's letters to his beloved Fanny open before him. The letter to Constance, so strangely brought back after all the intervening years, lay beside the book. The ink was faded, and the paper was yellow, but his father's love for a woman, not his mother, stared the sun full in the face, and was not to be denied. Was this all, or— His thought refused to go further. Constance North had died, by her own hand, four days after the letter was written. What might not have happened in four days? In one day Columbus found a world— in another, electricity was discovered. In one day, one hour, even some immeasurable force moving according to unseen law might sway the sun and set all the stars to reeling madly through the unutterable midnights of the universe. And four days! Ah, what had happened in those four days? The question had haunted him since the night he read the letter, when he was reading to Barbara, and had unwittingly come upon it. Constance was dead, and Lauren Austin was dead but their love lived on. The grave was closed against it, and in neither heaven nor hell could it find an abiding place. Ghostly and forbidding, it had sent Constance to haunt Miriam's troubled sleep. It had filled Ambrose North's soul with cruel doubt and foreboding, and had now come back to Roger and Barbara to ask eternal questions of the one, and stir the heart of the other to new depths of pain. He had not seen Barbara since that night, and she had sent no message. No beacon light in the window across the way said, Come. The sword that had lain, keen-edged and cruel, between Constance and her lover, had, by a single swift stroke, changed everything between her daughter and his son. Not that Barbara herself was less beautiful or less dear. Roger had missed her more than he realized. When her lovely, changing face had come between his eyes and the musty pages of his law-books, while the disturbing Bascom pup cavorted merrily around the office, unheard and unheeded, Roger had ascribed it to the letter that had forced them apart. The woolen slippers muffled Miss Mattie's step so that Roger did not hear her enter the room. Preoccupied and absorbed, he was staring vacantly out of the window, when a strong, capable hand swooped down beside him, gathering up the book and the letter. "'I don't know what it is about your reading, Roger,' complained his mother, "'that makes you blind and deaf and dumb and practically paralyzed. Your pa was the same way. Reckon I'll read a piece myself and see what it is that's so affectin'. It ain't a very big book, but it seems to have tremendous power. She sat down and began to read aloud, in a curiously unsympathetic voice which grated abominably upon her unwilling listener. Ask yourself, thy love, whether you are not very cruel to have so entrammeled me, so destroyed my freedom. Will you confess this in the letter you must write immediately, and do all you can to console me in it? Make it rich as a draught of poppies to intoxicate me. Write the softest words and kiss them that I may at least touch my lips where yours have been. For myself I know not how to express my devotion to so fair a form. I want a brighter word than bright, a fairer word than fair, 
i almost wish we were butterflies and lived but three summer days three such days with you i could fill with more delight than fifty common years could ever contain in ain't that wonderful roger wants to get drunk on poppies and kiss the brighton and thinks after that he'll be made into a butterfly your pa couldn't have been far from being a butterfly when he bought this book there ain't no sense in it and this why it's your pa's writin', roger i ain't seen it for years miss mattie leaned forward in her chair and brought the letter to constance close to the light she read it through calmly without haste or excitement roger's hands gripped the arms of his chair and his face turned ashen his whole body was tense then as swiftly as it had come the moment passed miss mattie took off her spectacles and leaned back in her chair with great weariness evident in every line of her figure roger she said sadly there's no use in trying to conceal it from you any longer your pa was crazy as crazy as a loon what with buying books so steady and reading of em so continual his mind got unhinged i've always suspected it and now i know your pa gets this book and reads all this stuff that's been written about fanny and he don't see no reason why he shouldn't duplicate it and maybe get it printed i knew he set great store by books but it comes to me as a shock that he was allowin to write em some of the time he sees he's crazy himself didn't you see there where he says i hope you do not blame me because i went mad mad is the refined word for crazy then he goes on about eatin' husks and bein' starved that's what i told him when he insisted on havin' oatmeal cooked for his breakfast every mornin i told him humans couldn't expect to live on horse feed but lost sakes he never paid no attention to me i could set and talk by the hour just as i'm talkin' to you and he wasn't listenin' any more'n you be i am listening mother he assured her in a forced voice he could not say with what joyful relief maybe she went on i'd have been more gentle with your pa if i'd realized just what condition his mind was in there's a book in the attic full of just such writin as this i found it once when i was cleaning but i never paid no more attention to it i surmised it was something he was copying out of another book that he borrowed from the minister but i see now the lord tempers the wind to the shorn lamb if i'd a known what it was then maybe i couldn't have bore it as i can now seizing his opportunity roger put the book and the letter aside miss mattie slipped out of its wrapper the paper which roger had brought to her from the post office that same night and began to read roger sat back in his chair with his eyes closed meditating upon the theory of chance and wondering if after all there was a single controlling purpose behind the extraordinary things that happened miss mattie wiped her spectacles twice and changed her position three times then she got another chair and moved the lamp closer at last she clucked sharply with her false teeth always the outward evidence of inner turmoil or displeasure what's the matter mother i can't see with these glasses she said fretfully i can see a lot better without em than i can with em have you wiped them yes i've wiped em till it's a wonder the polish ain't all wore off the glass put them up close to your eyes instead of wearing them so far down on your nose i've tried that but the closer they got to my eyes the more i can't see the further away they are the better it is when i have em off i can see pretty good then why don't you take them off that sounds just like your pa do you suppose after paying seven dollars and ninety cents for these glasses and more'n twice as much for my gold-bowed ones that i ain't going to use em and get the benefit of em your pa never had no notion of economy they're just as good as they ever was and i reckon i'll wear em out if i live but mother your eyes may have changed they probably have miss mattie went to the kitchen and brought back a small cracked mirror she studied the offending orbs by the light very carefully both with and without her spectacles no they ain't 
she announced finally they're the same size and shape and color that they've always been and the specs are the same your pa bought em for me soon after you commenced readin out of a reader and they're just as good as they ever was it must be the oil i've noticed that it gets poor every time the price goes up she pushed the paper aside with a sigh i was readin such a nice story too shan't i read it to you mother why i don't know do you want to surely if you want me to then you'd better begin a new story because i'm more'n half way through this one i'll begin right where you left off mother it doesn't make a particle of difference to me but you won't get the sense of it i'd like for you to enjoy it while you're readin don't worry about my enjoying it you know i've always been fond of books if there's anything i don't understand i could ask you all right begin right here in true gold or pretty crystal's love this is the place with a terrible scream crystal sprang toward the fire escape carrying her mother and her little sister in her arms for nearly two hours roger read in a deep mellow voice of the adventures of poor persecuted crystal who was only sixteen and engaged to a floor-walker in one of the great city's finest emporiums of trade he and his mother both sighed when he came to the end of the installment but for vastly different reasons ain't it lovely roger it's just what you might call different he temporized with a smile just think of that poor little thing having her house set afire by a rival suitor just after she had paid off the mortgage by saving out her week's wages do you suppose he ever will win her i shouldn't think it likely no you wouldn't but the ending of those stories is always what you wouldn't expect it's what makes them so interesting and as you say different roger did not answer he merely yawned and tapped impatiently on the table with his fingers what time is it she asked adjusting her spectacles carefully upon the ever useful and unfailing wart a little after nine sakes alive it's time i was abed i've got to get up early in the morning and set my bread good night good night mother don't set up long oil is terrible high all right mother Miss Maddie went upstairs and closed her door with a resounding bang. Roger heard her strike a match on a bit of sandpaper tacked on the wall near the match-safe and closed the green blinds that served the purpose of the more modern window-shades. Soon a deep, regular sound suggestive of comfortable slumber echoed and re-echoed overhead. Then, and then only, he dared to go out. He sat on the narrow front porch for a few minutes, deeply breathing the cool air and enjoying the beauty of the night across the way the little gray house seemed lonely and forlorn the upper windows were dark but downstairs barbara's lamp still shone sewing probably mused roger poor little thing as he watched the lamp was put out then a white shadow moved painfully toward the window bent and struck a match star-like barbara's signal light flamed out into the gloom with its eager message she wants me he said to himself the joy was inextricably mingled with pain she wants me he thought and i must not go why asked his heart and his conscience replied miserably because for ten or fifteen minutes he argued with himself vainly every objection that came forward was reasoned down by a trained mind versed in the intricacies of the law the deprivations of the fathers need not always descend unto the children at last he went over wondering whether his father had not more than once and at the same hour taken the same path barbara was out in the garden dreaming for the first time in years when she had work to do she had laid it aside before eleven o'clock but in two hours she could have made little progress with her embroidery and she chose to take for herself two hours of life out of what might prove to be the last night she had to live when roger opened the gate barbara took her crutches and rose out of her low chair don't he said i'm coming to you she had brought out another chair with great difficulty 
in anticipation of his coming her own was near the moonflower that climbed over the tiny veranda and was now in full bloom the white half-open trumpets delicately fragrant had more than once reminded him of barbara herself what a brute i'd be thought roger with a pang if i had disappointed her i'm so glad said barbara giving him a cool soft little hand i began to be afraid you couldn't come i couldn't just at first but afterward it was all right how are you i'm well thank you but i'm going to be made better tomorrow. that's why i wanted to see you tonight. it may be for the last time her words struck him with chill foreboding what do you mean tomorrow some doctors are coming down from the city with two nurses and a few other things they're going to see if i can't do without these she indicated the crutches with an inclination of her golden head barbara he gasped you mustn't it's impossible nothing is impossible any more she returned serenely that isn't what i meant you mustn't be hurt i'm not going to be hurt much it's all to be done while i'm asleep miss wynne a lady from the hotel brought dr conrad to see me afterward he came again by himself and he says he is very sure that it will come out all right and when i'm straight and strong and can walk he's going to try and have father made to see a fairy godmother came in and waved her hand went on barbara lightly and the poor became rich at once now the lame are to walk and the blind to see is it not a wonderful world barbara cried roger i can't bear it i don't want you changed i want you just as you are such impediments as are placed in the path of progress she returned her eyes were laughing but her voice had in it a little note of tenderness will you do something for me anything everything it's only this said barbara gently if it should turn out the other way will you keep father from being lonely miss wynne has promised that he shall never want for anything and at the most it couldn't be long until he was with me again but in the meantime would you roger would you try to take my place nobody in the world could ever take your place but i'd try god knows i'd try barbara i couldn't bear it if hush there isn't any if it's all coming right to-morrow the full moon had swung slowly up out of the sea and the misty silvery light touched barbara lovingly her slender hands crossed in her lap seemed like those of a little child her deep blue eyes were lovelier than ever in the enchanted light they had the calmness of deep waters at dawn untroubled by wind or tide around her face her golden hair shimmered and shone like a halo she had the unearthly beauty of a saint afterward he asked with a little choke in his voice i'll be in plaster for a long time and after that i'll have to learn to walk and then work she said joyously think of having all the rest of your life to work in with no crutches and if daddy can see me she stopped but he caught the wistfulness in her voice the first thing she continued i'm going down to the sea i have a fancy to go alone have you never been i've never been outside this house and garden but once or twice have you forgotten all the things he might have done came to roger remorsefully and too late he might have taken barbara out for a drive almost any time during the last eight years she could have been lifted into a low carriage easily enough and she had never even been to the sea a swift pitying tenderness made his heart ache nobody ever thought of it said barbara soothingly as though she had read his thought and besides i've been too busy except sundays but sometimes when i've heard the shore singing as the tide came in and seen the gulls fly past my window and smelled the salt mist oh i've wanted it so i'd have taken you if i hadn't been such a brute as to forget 
you've brought me more than the sea roger think of all the books you've carried back and forth so patiently all these years you've done more for me than anybody in the world in some ways you've given me the magic carpet of the arabian nights only it was a book instead of a rug through your kindness i've travelled over most of the world i've met many of the really great people face to face i've lived in all ages and all countries and i've learned to know the world as it is now what more could one person do for another than you have done for me barbara it was marian's voice calling softly from an upper window you mustn't stay up late remember to-morrow all right auntie her answer carried with it no hint of impatience i forgot that we weren't in the house she added to roger in a low tone must i go to-night for some reason he could not bear even the thought of leaving her not just yet i've been thinking she continued in a swift whisper about my mother and your father of course we can't understand we only know that they cared and in a way it makes you and me something like brother and sister doesn't it perhaps it does i hadn't thought of that all at once the barrier that seemed to have been between them crashed down and was forgotten mysteriously roger was very sure that those four days had held no wrong no betrayal of another's trust his father would not have done anything which was not absolutely right the thought made him straighten himself proudly and the mother of the girl who leaned toward him with her beautiful soul shining in her deep eyes could have been nothing less than an angel to-morrow began roger to-morrow was made for me god is giving me a day to be made straight in to-morrow is mine but will you come and stay with father keep him away from the house and with you until afterward i will gladly barbara rose and roger picked up her crutches you'll never have to do that for me again she said as she took them but there'll be lots of other things will you take in the chairs please a lump was in his throat and he could not speak when he came out after having made a brief but valiant effort to recover his self-control barbara was standing at the foot of the steps leaning on her crutches with the moon shining full upon her face roger went to her barbara he asked huskily my father loved your mother for the sake of that and for to-morrow will you kiss me to-night smiling barbara lifted her face and gave him her lips as simply and sweetly as a child good-night she said softly but he could not answer for at the touch the white fire burned in his blood and the white magic of life's maytime went singing through his soul end of chapter ten